Well, we're on the eve. You're on the eve of something new. We're on the eve of something new. See, New Year is a strange time, isn't it? It's a strange time. At least you're nodding. It's a strange time. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people could just take it or leave it. Some people are glad to see the back of not just 2023, but they're glad to see the end of the year. And they're a bit sort of anxious about the new year. And then we start to make promises to ourselves, don't we? We start, what are you giggling for? (laughs) Have you already made yourself a promise already? But I don't know why we do. We kind of think it's a clean start. It's a fresh start. I'm going to be better. The classic one is I'm going to be fitter. I'm going to get to that gym and I'm going to sign up and I'm going to be on that treadmill on the 1st of January. I'm going to be fitter. One of mine is we're going to finish on time on Sunday. That's one of mine. (laughs) But we do, don't we? We kind of make those promises and then very slowly they creep up and they start to to fade away. And that's okay. You've got to have something to start. You've got to start somewhere, haven't you? You've got to start somewhere. But we make promises. And for most New Year as well, it's it's a time to reflect. It's a time to look back. It's a time to reflect. Some people, it's a time to forget. But we've got lots of memories. Some good, some painful. And we carry maybe some scars, some joyful times, some things that we wouldn't have chosen into the new year. And as I look back and I reflect on 2023, you know, I'm amazed looking through the messages that we've had, the words, the anointed preachers that we've had in this place and the people that have brought them. We've been so blessed this year, haven't we? Yeah? That we've had nine different people from this congregation bring a message. Nine different people. That's besides me, you and Wendy. Okay? Nine different people. Back in March, do you remember when Chris brought the word sailor? What do you mean you don't remember it? You should remember it. Pause and reflect. How timely is that at this time of year? It was brilliant. And then when you were so good, we let you come back on again in July. But not since. (laughs) Well, you brought a message and God sees you and he knows. He's on the way. Then John Clift has been superb with his Monday nights chat in the chapel with the end times and the last seven sayings of Jesus. But you also brought a message early in February, I believe, where it's contend for the faith. From Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah I forgot that one. <coughs> and then Wendy did Mother's Day in March, as well as all the where is went. There she is. As well as being blessed on a Wednesday. Do you remember your message in March on Mother's Day saying, He... Do you remember? Yeah, oh yeah, see? He, God's character, his strength and his power. What a word that was. Then in July, we had three people. We obviously took a bit of time off in July. (laughs) But who remembers Lee? A reason for hope. The power of God's resurrection. 
And then Trevor brought a message to say, shift our focus. Shifting our focus. And Sarah brought a great word of testimony of God's faithfulness. Yeah? Do you remember that? Yeah? Still, you remember that. See, she remembers that. She remembers that one. We remember that one. It was great. It kind of almost, it was sort of all, um, authentic. It kind of just wasn't supposed to be. And then it kind of was like, you carry on and you bring it. And it's one of our most watched on YouTube. Brilliant. And then Mo, his gift of love in August. And then in November, we had Asher. Good to see you this morning, Asher. Yeah, and your family, mum, Anita, how are you doing? You all right, Caval? How are you doing? You all right? Good to see you. And you brought a testimony of God, of faith over fear. And you know, it's our most watched YouTube clip this year. Faith over fear is great, a testimony of his faithfulness. And then we had Joe bring a message. We thought we'd better get the other half out where she could diss me and have her opportunity. She came out of hiding. Her message to say, come out of hiding. That was in November. Brilliant. And then more recent, we had Dave. There he is. You can poke your head up. That's it. It was brilliant. Back to basics. Back to basics. The simplicity of God's goodness. And like I say, that goes without saying from the Wednesdays that Wendy brought us faithfully, the words that we've had, goes without saying for the messages that Rob's brought as well. I remember success, uh, one of them here, where, 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 where have I put it? Success problems. You probably don't remember that one either, do you? Success problems. The genius of Genesis. Yeah, you remember, you like that one, yeah, I like, see, some of the title, they're good, you need a catchy title, don't you, sometimes, to catch people's attention, but it's just been great to look back and see God's goodness. We had some visiting speakers, Josie Stevenson came and spoke, Paul Worth, remember Paul Worth coming down and speaking and imparting into us, and I want to tell you, there's more planned for 2024. God's got more in store for 2024. John's going to be bringing some more from the chat in the chapel. Going in, you're doing the last part of um, the end times. That will come to an end. <laughs> but then we're going to be going into Ephesians, where we're going to be fed, and we're going to be taught His Word, yeah? We're going to be fed. So this morning... Can you remember being handed the keys to something new? Some people are nodding. Can you remember when you bought that new car and they gave you the keys? And who loves the new car smell? Anybody love? There's something about it, in there? Yeah, I know you. <laughs> I knew you. But that smell, when you open up the car door, isn't it? That lovely new car smell. And you get in. What about a new house when you're handed those keys to a new house? I remember when we moved from Egg Buckle and we crossed to the other side. We came from the valley over to the, the promised land. And it was a strange feeling, wasn't it? When we got given, when you bought a house, we first out, it's a strange feeling when you think, this is my house. This is our second house. But I remember getting the keys. 
And we only had kind of one door that we used at our old house because the back door, uh, the front door, as it was then, backed out to the front. We never used it, so we didn't ever sort of need to lock it or whatever. But when we moved to our new house where we are now, we had five or four or five different doors, didn't we? And I remember going to sleep, sort of spending about half an hour locking all the doors. And it felt really strange. There's all these extra new rooms and a new place. And we woke up in the morning just feeling the excitement of thinking you're in a new place. It felt a little bit like a hotel, didn't it? I was waiting for breakfast in bed and it never came. <laughs> never, <laughs> never, it's never going to get, no, never. But it's that feeling of something new, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a certain feeling. That smell or that place, the excitement. But today I believe that God wants to give you something to hold up, like those new keys. Those new keys, I really believe that God wants to give you something to hold on to today. A promise. A promise. But not just a New Year's resolution. Not just something that might just fade away because God... God's word doesn't hold up, doesn't stack up. I want to tell you, God's word is faithful. God's word is true. And if you can, I'd like you, there's a, there's a verse in Isaiah. If you turn to Isaiah 43, please, because there's some people that just need to hear this this morning. We've had a great time of worship. But I want to give you something now to reinforce that message that we sung this morning, that he cares that he's for you. And there's an incredible passage of scripture in Isaiah 43, where the title of, of, of verse 1 there, it says, the Redeemer of Israel. Yeah. And leading up in chapter 42 was Israel's disobedience. It was, it was them walking away from God. It was them not doing what God had asked of them to do. And then in verse one of chapter 43, it says, but now. And I want you to nudge the person next to you and I want you to tell them, but now. You can double nudge if you have one person on either side. Somebody nudge Rob and tell him, but now. I want to give you a nudge. <laughs> because this word here implies that something is about to change. There's something new. There's something new. He says, but now, says the Lord, who created you. He who formed you. It's setting a pattern here. God created you and he formed you. That's why he knows you. That's why he cares. He knows, he understands because he created you and he formed you. You to be the person you are to be today. Don't let anyone else put a label on you. Amen. Don't let anybody else tell you you're not good enough. I remember sort of taking a few things like that on board when I was younger. And I remember someone said to me, God created you the way you're supposed to be for the purpose that you're supposed to live in. You who were created and he formed, fear not. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. I bought you with a price. You are mine, it says. I've called you by name. You are mine. And now to the good bit. 
Now to the good bit. When you pass through, one of Rob's classics, we're just passing through. His Bible's falling apart over there. (laughs) When we're passing through, I want to tell you today, we're passing through. We're passing through. When you pass through the waters, what does it say? I will be with you. And through the rivers. They're what? They won't overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. See, the implication here of waters and rivers, they sound quite similar, don't they? But the waters here, that's the implication of the word. Waters is chaos. Stormy waters. So when you go through, when you pass through the season of chaos, God says, I'll be with you. And when the rivers come, what does that imply? Slightly, they sound similar, but slightly different. Rivers there is, a, is like a flood. And it's not an instant flood like we're seeing at the minute where you go, this is where it's gradual. And you start to feel like, well, I'm okay at the moment. I can, I can cope. I can survive. But then the flood waters start to creep up. And the implication here is to say, God says they won't overflow you. Because you're passing through. See, passing through, one of Wendy's favorites is to say, it won't always stay like this. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's not always going to be like this. We're passing through. But it doesn't mean to say everything's going to be rosy. I knew you'd look up then when I said, (laughs) life isn't always going to be rosy. Especially at three o'clock in the morning on Christmas Eve. The rivers shall not overflow you. See, it doesn't say that the rivers won't flow. It doesn't say that the rivers of life won't flow. It says that they won't overflow you. They won't overtake you. But we seem to think when I put my hand up to say, Jesus, come into my life, everything was going to be rosy. Everything was going to be good. Yes, it is in the eternal sense. But life still happens. Things still happen in life, but they're not going to overflow you. When I look and I think, where is there a case in the Bible where the rivers where they weren't overflown? And it's a it's a familiar event. If you turn to Joshua three, please. There's a familiar event that most of us will already know. The crossing of the Jordan. Joshua 3. It was a time again where it was something new. They had, they had been around the wilderness for 40 years. They had come now to, to the crossing where he'd sent spies in. They'd spied out the land and they, they had said, yeah, we can do this. They had met Rahab. And now they were preparing themselves to go across the Jordan, the thing that separated them from getting into the promised land, the children of Israel. This was new. Moses had now passed on. Joshua was now taking the people into the newness of what God had for them. Into the new, stepping into the new. If I was going for a title this morning, it would probably be stepping into the new. 
Stepping into the new. Stepping into the unknown. It was unfamiliar land. And verse 4 of chapter 3 is a a very well-known part of Scripture where God says to Joshua to sanctify the people, prepare the people. But he says to Joshua, he says that for you have not passed this way before. You've not passed this way before. This is a new way. They were on the edge of something new. But they had not faced this before. Can you relate to that? may have been something that you would have dealt with in 2023, this year, where you thought, I've not faced this before. This is something new. It may be a journey that you've not walked before. It may be something that you've encountered where you thought, I've not faced this before, and I don't know what to do. Do we know the story where it says that the River Jordan was impassable? It was impassable. It was in the harvest time when the harvest rains came and they say that the the river there swelled to about a mile wide. It was a raging torrent. Impassable. Impossible. And inaccessible. Maybe today you're looking and saying, well, 2024 is tomorrow And there are some things in my life that look impassable. There's some things that I know that are coming up against me in 2024 that says it's impossible. You may be stood on the edge of the bank, as it were, looking, saying, I feel overwhelmed. I feel consumed. I'm not sure what to do. But I want to tell you today, God hasn't brought you to this place to abandon you. God hasn't brought you to this place for you to be broken. God hasn't brought you to the edge of this place to be defeated. God hasn't brought you to this place to be beat. He's not brought you to the edge of the Jordan. He didn't bring the children of Israel to the edge of the Jordan to be confused and to think, well, this is it. What do we do now? He's going to take them on. See, in 1 Peter 2, 9, and we'll... We'll get there maybe a little bit later. The only people that got their feet wet were the priests. The priests had to carry the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence as it were, had to carry His presence at such a distance. I think it was about 900 meters in front of the people. But it says that they had to step in first. But you know today, it says in 1 Peter 2.9 that you are a priest. You're a royal priest. You're a chosen generation. You carry the presence of God within you. It's not just in a box. In the old covenant where they carried God's presence, you know, you carry the presence of God within you. How cool is that? But the priests were the only ones that said who got their feet wet. And then as we know, as they stepped out in faith upstream, up to 20 miles away, God was working. God was working upstream. They couldn't see it, but they had to step out. Isn't that funny in our lives? I want to tell you today, God is working where you can't see him working. Yes. 
But, but, but hang on a minute. Have you been reading my notes again? God is working behind the scenes. God is working upstream in your life. But there's something bigger than that. And I noticed that the other, the other day as I was reading this, that yes, he was working upstream, but do you know that he was also working in the hearts of their enemies? There's a little portion of scripture here in Joshua 2 where it says that their enemies, their hearts were failing for fear. And it said that they had heard the things that God had done previous when they crossed the Red Sea. They had heard that they were saying that they knew that they were beaten. See, God may be stopping the waters upstream, but he's also working on those enemies in your life that are trying to bring you down to stop you. He's giving you victory. He's working on the enemy's heart. Do you know that the enemy is afraid when you start speaking faith? When you start declaring God's word? When you start to declare God's word in your life? Do you know the enemy is afraid? That he quakes? When you start speaking faith? When you start to take that step of faith? The enemy is afraid. Because he knows that this word... Is true. He knows that this word is powerful. See, and what I love about this this scripture, as we said, the priests stepped in. We are priests now unto God. And do you know in your life that there were people that crossed over on dry ground? I want to tell you in your life, as you step out and you get your feet wet, there are going to be others in your life who are going to cross over because you got your feet wet but they're going to cross over on dry ground. Keep believing him. When things look impassable and impossible. And then from crossing over the Jordan, we tend to think, let's just get to Joshua chapter 6. Let's just get to the good bit. Let's skip to the good bit. Let's get to Jericho. God's with us. He's taken us over the Jordan as, we, as we, we, we've seen. And you can read it, the south, where the, the waters parted and they went across on dry land as they stepped into the new. We kind of think, well, that's it. Great. God, you're on our side. Let's get to Jericho. Let's get to where we beat the enemy up. Let's get to the victories. Come on. But this got my attention in Joshua 4. Well, there's a part in there, the memorial stones, that, 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 that God told Joshua to go back to the place where they had just gone across. And he told him to collect 12 stones from the riverbed that was a sign that God had enabled them to cross over. He picked up 12 stones. And when I was thinking about that, and I've asked Godfrey to, to say, because when I think about this, This book, you know, this represents where we have been as a church. There's a trowel on the back wall there, but there are, who was here in the original? I think there was 10. I think Hilary, Iris, Daryl, Richie, Terry, Wendy, I see that hand. Uh, Catherine, oh yeah, Catherine. (laughs) I was here, yeah. (laughs) And Sarah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think of the kids, so kind of. Lise, were you here at the very beginning? Yeah? Says... But, God, but I just want to, because what they did is they, 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 they talked of God's faithfulness 
in the past. And so have you got the mic? Because I just want Godfrey to give a, a brief two-minute or three-minute thing of God's faithfulness. And you may want to chip in the original lot, because I love this book. And you may want to chip in with... Go on, over to you, Goddess. Firstly, just to look... Is it on? Yeah. yeah. Firstly, just to look around and see, rather more than when we started. So we were just a handful, really. And uh, our church really started in the chapel across the way. And uh, it wouldn't be wrong... Can you hear all right? Yeah. It wouldn't be wrong to say it was in a bit of a state of disrepair. There were trees growing through the windows, as I recall. The outside was chaos. The inside was burnt out. Keep it closer. Yeah, that's it. The inside was, the floor was burnt. The walls were falling apart, and it was in a state of disrepair. But uh, we, we set to it, and different ones amongst us were able to do different things. And uh, it's been, well, it's history now. It's our second building now, isn't it? But it was beautifully restored, and the church that formed then has become the church we are now glory of God. Um, there was just one thing that maybe it's not entirely relevant, but we didn't have, we didn't even have windows actually. It was your dad that put the windows in, I believe, and different ones did the floors and the walls. And there wasn't even a toilet, and Richie built the toilet block at the back, didn't you? Yeah. Pretty well. And it needed putting in a big septic tank, as big as you can imagine, a big sphere. So that required a digger to break through the wall, dig a massive pit, and then drop this big septic tank in for the toilet and that uh, to my shock there was a big gap in the wall then so I enjoyed the privilege of rebuilding that wall so <laughs> my little bit um, just to summarize once I was young and now I'm old but I have never seen the righteous begging bread Amen. and um, in these past 40 years our shoes have never worn out <laughs> so for the glory of God Amen. Amen 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 Thank you. Does anybody else? Well, uh, go on, Daz. I didn't want to spring this on people because I thought if you do that, then they get a bit like... Actually, this is quite interesting because today we've got Norman Reeford in our midst. And it's because of Norman Reeford that we first heard about the chapel. Wow. John and I were at a conference and um, Norman was a great supporter of the two of us and came and spoke in... Uh, even in um, the YWCA, didn't you? And, and uh, stayed with us and blessed us. And he was one that told us wow. about the chapel. And then we found Rob, and Rob did all the donkey work <laughs> and sorted it. So it, it was great. Um, but what I remember most is that it was built on prayer. Yeah. Uh, we had a ladies' prayer meeting. We fasted and prayed every Tuesday morning and got together. And the guides would say, we need a so-and-so. We'd fast and pray. And then the so-and-so would turn up. Wow. And some absolutely incredible, miraculous stuff happened so that we could all be here today. Isn't God good? Amen. And, and one of the things that's always blessed me was that they wanted to knock that chapel down so many times and build a factory. But our great-great-forefathers had the sense in God to set a covenant on that and mm. say it could only ever be a church. And a hundred years later, we came along <laughs> and we were able to buy it. So Amen. praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Daz. Anybody else? Yeah. Wanna? <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> I don't need that one. All right, well, I'll just keep it here, and you can I, stay. I knew Robert, uh, and his dear, precious life. His father was a personal friend of mine, and never did I dream that this man here, not my Robert, would become my pastor. But God brought me here. And, uh, and he said, attach yourself to those who love you. Hmm. And people do love me here. Do. Uh, and, and this is where God's put me. So now this is where they've got to put up with me. <laughs> there you are. Amen. Amen. See, that's what I... That's kind of what I wanted this morning, so thank you for that. Thank you, Dale. I was hoping someone else would contribute to that, because this is where we come from, yeah. and we are all yeah. part of that, yeah. and I just want to honor you guys that made those first steps, honor you guys that made those first steps yeah. into believing and, and trusting God Amen. for his kingdom, Amen. and you know, that's what they did here when they crossed over. The stones, it says, and I love what Godfrey said about rebuild. Have a look at the wall. I mean, have a look at this book, the wall there that Godfrey said that they, they reused and rebuilt the wall, the stones to rebuild the wall as you just drive out. And again, now we just kind of are so flipper, we just drive past it and we kind of don't even notice the hard work and the graft and the faithfulness of, of, of that time. But reuse stones, and that spoke to me, the stones that were knocked down but they were reused and rebuilt. Amen. Doesn't that say, encourage my heart? Does that encourage yeah. your heart this morning? See, and that is so important. That as, that's why I wanted Godfrey to, to share that, is that we've got the younger generation in this place today, that that was the purpose of the stones. It says that when the next generation get older, they will see those stones that they were erected and they would ask what do these stones mean? What does this book mean? What are those stones out there? What about God's faithfulness and his goodness? See, you've got a story to tell. You may not have been here at the start, but your story is still being written. You've got a story to tell. Don't hide your story. Don't hide your scars. Some scars maybe even from this year. Don't hide them. Don't hide your stones. See, it says that the stones were stacked as a sign. Stacked as a sign. As an act of gratitude and as an act of praise to God's goodness. You know, to some people, those stones would have just looked like a heap of stones. They wouldn't have known what those stones represented. The same maybe as... Is, is from the, the, the other building. They may not like just a heat, but to you there'll be a sign of his goodness and his power. Those stones that were at one point, at one point those stones were buried in Joshua. Think about it. Those stones that Joshua went back to get were buried. They were unreachable. They were unseen. They were invisible. They were unattainable. 
a raging torrent of water that would constantly pass over those stones. Those stones have never been seen. They were buried. They were unreachable. But today I declare in faith that those stones in our lives, they became divinely accessible. And I declare today in faith for people in, in, in your lives is that as we're at the edge of a new year, that I declare opportunities, dreams, relationships will be that were maybe buried, that were maybe unreachable, inaccessible. I, I declare by faith that they will be divinely accessible as we go into 2024. Because of God's word, because of God's power, and because of God's strength. See, there are three simple statements about these stones. I don't know if you're taking notes, but number one is that it was all about God. And that. It's all about God. Seeing the stones piled high was, and hearing the story, people knew that they had not crossed over on their own. The children of Israel knew that they hadn't crossed over on their own. It was God that did this. And as I look and see and hear the stories from yesteryear, it was God that did this. And it's important to tell our story that it's God that did this. You can relate that in your own life, whatever 2023 or even before that is to say, hey, I'm standing here today. I may have picked up some stones as memorials, but to say God's done this. I'm here today. I'm passed through and got through, not because of my own skills, not because of my own wisdom, but because of God and his power and his faithfulness. So number one, it's all about God. The stones represent the second one. It says they have missionary purpose. See, the buildings aren't meant to be memorials for us or to us. We're not supposed to be comfortable. We're not supposed to really look nice. But we exist to make Jesus known and to advance his glory and his gospel. That's the purpose of the stones. And the third one is we must change if we want to go with God. The challenge is to believe what they couldn't see. That was for the children. They had to believe what they couldn't see. And today as you're maybe stood at the edge of the, edge of the new year, some things in 2024 may look daunting. There may be boundaries. There may be saying, how's God going to do this? But I want to tell you that God's done it before. He's done it before. And he'll do it again. But for some, you've got to get your feet wet. Some of you are still at the edge saying, I don't know if I can take that step. What if it don't work? What if I get burned? What if I make a mistake? What if I haven't heard right? I'm just going to keep safe 
on the other side. But today, God's saying you've got to take that step. You've got to get your feet wet. And you know, I was one of those stones. You were one of those stones. In the Jordan, buried, unreachable, lost in my sin. But I'm grateful today that as they crossed over, I'm grateful today that there was another cross. But this cross was meant for someone to be nailed to. This cross was to someone to be nailed to who was sinless. But Jesus made a way. A way that was impassable. It was inaccessible. It was impossible. But because of Jesus, he made it divinely accessible. He made access to the Father by his blood. Aren't you thankful for his blood today? And it says that they picked up the priests, they picked up the stones. And as they picked them up, they put them on their shoulders. Isn't that a wonderful picture of Jesus? That we as stones, it says that he picked us up and he places us on his shoulders. Hallelujah. And now we're being built. And in 1 Peter 2, in verse 4, a little bit backed up from being royal priests and the chosen generation, it says this. It says that we are living stones. We are living stones. Jesus is our chief cornerstone, the stone that the builders rejected, the stone that was cast away, despised died and paid the price for us so that now Bless you him. and me yeah. are called living Amen. stones. No more buried. Amen. No longer separated. No more unreachable. No more lost. If you've accepted Jesus today, you're a living Amen. stone. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. So let's stand to our feet, please. Living stones. But today I believe that there are some things that you've had to battle with, that you've had things spoken over you, you've had quite a traumatic year that you didn't see coming necessarily. But I want to tell you today that there are things that are going to be divinely accessible because of Jesus. Dreams, opportunities... Things that you may not have been able to do before because of X, Y, or Z, whatever that means to you. Things that you just couldn't do, you're going to have access to. Because of God. And today is a pivot point. What do I mean by that? A pivot point, a, a change in, a, a turning. It's to stay that you can step into Tomorrow. Whatever tomorrow brings, and it's just a turn of a, a second, a minute, as Rob said earlier, it's just a change of a day. But I believe that we're about to step into something new. That for you this morning, you're about to step into something new. Yes, it may be a bit 
anxious, it may be a bit scary, but God goes with you. God goes with you. You can step into tomorrow. Love that song. I can face tomorrow because he lives. And be encouraged today that you can step into tomorrow because he lives, because he cares. Let's just lift our hands, please. Jesus. Lord, we're thankful today. We're thankful today that you go with us. Lord, we're thankful today that it's all about you. That, Lord, we can't cross over, we can't step into the new unless you go with us. It says that I don't want to go where your presence isn't. I don't want to go any further if you're not going with us. But Lord, I know that you're calling and you're, you're asking people to get their feet wet, to step out in faith again. Things that are believed for, things that are, have been promised, that Lord, we're believing that, Lord, we're on the edge of something new. We're on the edge of breakthrough. Because you've declared that there's going to be provision. And Lord, we're waiting and we're wanting to eat, Lord. Yes, hallelujah. We're wanting to eat of your word. We're hungry for you, Lord, today. You. We're hungry for your presence. We're thirsty for your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we know that you're moving. Yes. Where we can't see, you're moving. Lord, let this word start to grow in our hearts. That, yes, Lord, we want to go where you've called us. That, Lord, there is a promised land. There is provision. There is a good land. Lord, I'm even thinking of the new building, Lord, in this place. That, Lord, is for your kingdom. It's not for us to say that we've done anything great, Lord, but it's about you. And Lord, we're still believing, Lord, for that new building. And as Daryl said, Lord, it's prayer, Lord, and we're still believing and praying into that. But Lord, we're believing and praying into our lives. For your building, your church. Lord, we are your church. We're living stones, being built together, being connected together, being cemented together, being rebuilt and reused. That your life isn't over. You've still got life to live. And we're thankful today, Lord. We're thankful today, Jesus. We're thankful today.